Hi, friend. My name is Amy Joy, and this is the Make Prayer Beautiful podcast. Yay. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about circles. Um, That is part of my podcast art, and I have always really loved circles for a variety of reasons. I love that they have an infinite number of angles. I love that they have no point of causation, that they um, are complete, whether they're really small or really enormous. To me, they're just very beautiful. The outline of the earth and the planets. um, Yeah, they make me really happy. And so partially, I even think of them in relation to prayer. Because I think, oh, the very first youngest child or baby Christian who maybe all they say is something like, thank you, God. That's all. (laughs) They don't know to say amen or they have no real understanding. Those are still beautiful and complete prayers. And but they might just be like a little bead size or something of a circle. And then you have Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and weeping drops of blood and weeping and sweating drops of blood. And maybe his prayers are so large that they're covering the whole earth, right? They're also a circle, but like, you know, the size of the earth or the universe or something, just so powerful and important. And then our prayers just kind of fit maybe in between those two. And that's okay. That's so beautiful. I love that there's always the opportunity to be growing in prayer. And so anyway, okay. So in this bit of random juxtaposition. This is how my mind works. So you're welcome. Next thing I think about is um, Psalm 23, verse 3 in the Passion. It says, "Ah, he opens before me the right path and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Now, most of us know this as he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake, right? Like that's the famous one. But there's a note here about he opens before me the right path and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness. It says that another translation of this is circular paths of righteousness. And um, the note writer goes on to say, it is a common trait for sheep on the hillsides of Israel to circle their way up higher. They eventually form a path that keeps leading them higher. This is what the psalm is referring to here. Each step we take following our Savior will lead us higher, even though it may seem we are going in circles. And so isn't that beautiful that the circle then, maybe if you looked at it from above, it would look like a circle that's gradually working its way in, but we know if you were looking at it from the side that it's actually a spiral going up this hillside. And so that's awesome. Well, another aspect of circles that I really like that I've been thinking about lately is how in Greek thought, we really like to get from point A to point B. We really like our logic that, you know, all of the math that we study, A equals B, X equals Y plus Z, all of these things. Um, But in Hebrew thought, and this is kind of a mind bender, but Hebrew thought is much more circular. It's much more, um, you kind of, you think about something, and then you go away, and then you revisit it, but from a slightly different angle. And um, one of my friends described it more like a mandala, almost where there's circles, but they kind of overlap, um, whether greatly or smallly. And I really like that as well. You know, I think um, 
one of the things that used to really frustrate me about the Old Testament was how it felt like there were so few things to define. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but when you read through the book of Proverbs, <laughs> he's like, go get wisdom. And I remember as reading that as a 12-year-old maybe and, and thinking, okay, okay, I'll go get it. You know, I'm ready. Sign me up. And then I would keep reading and it would be like, yeah, go get it for sure. You really want it. And I would be like, okay, okay. And then that's kind of how the whole book felt. Like, you really want this, don't you? Yeah, you do. And then there would be like some kind of odd smashed together proverbs that didn't necessarily seem terribly applicable and sometimes kind of opposite, like answer a fool according to his folly. And then the next verse, don't answer a fool according to his folly. And you're kind of like, well, okay, it's going to be one or the other. Very good. Um, and so it took a while, like well into adulthood for me to realize, oh, <laughs> The way of wisdom is actually just continuing to seek wisdom and seek God's face. Because sometimes you should answer a fool according to his folly, and sometimes you shouldn't. And both of those could be the way of wisdom, but you won't necessarily know in advance. And so, and I really also want to just say, I love that the Hebraic way of thinking is not kind of the, what I would consider maybe more Asiatic, um, kind of what goes around, comes around, say la say la, or K, no, K Sarah, what is it, K Sarah, Sarah, where, where it's kind of like, oh well, <laughs> there's no way forward, we're just in this endless cycle of reincarnation, oh well. Um, no, I really, I appreciate the fact that there is forward progress always, um, sort of like how I love the Hebraic way of thinking that gray hairs are to be honored, because those people presumably have gained wisdom. And so they're, they're further along. They're more beautiful because of what they have acquired, that the Greek ideal of human perfection at age 20 is just a Greek, you know, that for the Hebrews, that the gray hair is to be honored because for them, the perfect tree was not the cedar of Lebanon, like the straight and majestic, but the olive tree because it was doing what it was supposed to do. And so a wise older person is truly so beautiful because they've acquired all of this wisdom and it hasn't, they haven't spent their life just kind of same old, same old, but they've been on this circular path moving upward the whole time, the spiral path. So that is awesome. And then I think I wanted to just also mention sometimes in our walk, it almost feels like we come across the same monster again. And Francis Frangipane wrote this really beautiful article at one point about Goliath had a brother. And basically what he said is, David faced Goliath when he was young and he defeated him. We all know the story, beautiful story. Well, later in his life, after he had seen a good bit more of life, been beaten up some, and was tired. I think the scripture is pretty explicit about that. He goes out, and now he has to face somebody who probably looked like Goliath, had the same mannerisms, acted like him, because Goliath had a brother. And so what's fascinating, though, is that even though it might have felt like, oh my goodness, am I really facing this enemy? I thought I faced this enemy again. No, it actually is a different enemy. You're not actually stuck in this cycle of um, what has happened before will happen again. No, it's just a different enemy. And you might be in a different stage of life, but the Lord is still the same. The Lord is still faithful. And so I think Francis says, this day we fight. So 
yeah, there you go. You can fight with the power of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks for listening, friend. I really appreciate you. Bye.